Hey y'all, welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I'm your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I get to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. And in this episode number 433, I'm welcoming to the show, Jamie Winship. With God's help, I'm becoming who I am. So it's not like one day you're going to suddenly turn into this person. You are that identity the whole time. So to discover and meet Christ, which I did at 17, is to actually verify what kind of you already know, but keeps getting squashed. That little, it's an eclipsed sun, we call it. That true identity is always there, but it's overshadowed by all kinds of fear, guilt, and shame. If you've been around me anytime in the last few weeks, one person you've heard me talk about is Jamie Winship. Man, oh man. I really love connecting fantastic people and resources, and this is one of them. I first heard about Jamie from Dave and Ann Wilson. I was being interviewed on their podcast in Orlando, and after they heard me talk, they said, hey, have you ever read or heard Jamie Winship? And I hadn't at the time. So they sent me a talk he did at a youth camp. And while I was in Maui with my boys and we were driving back from the road to Hana, it's late, we'd been on the in the car basically all day. We played this talk from Jamie and my boys thought, one, he was an amazing communicator and his stories were fantastic. But two, the content resonated with everything I've experienced spiritually in the last six and seven years. And it was such an encouragement to me to read through his book, Living Fearless. The subtitle is Exchanging the Lies of the World for the Liberating Truth of God. Y'all, from how he talks about confession being this aligning just admitting to God, hey, I've been believing this about myself or about you or about others and just bringing that to him and exchanging it for what is true about God, ourselves and others. Just that simple concept that we often overlook. My hope is this conversation would encourage you as a mom to keep leaning in to that process so that you can be your own version (laughs) Uh, of a woman who is placed in this role of motherhood and that you can help your kids be their own people separate from you putting what you want them to be on them. So Jamie's experience, he was a former Metro DC area police officer and then he spent almost 30 years living and working in the Muslim world and he's been teaching people how to hear from God. He's been a CIA agent on the side there too. Uh, He has three grown boys and this conversation was such an encouragement to me and I hope it only helps you dig deeper and you really do I know I share lots of books or you hear about lots of books but this one y'all I I I would put it on the top of the list and even if you don't get to the book go listen to we put it in the show notes his talk uh, at the youth camp and any other podcast when you google them it's going to be an encouragement to you and, and encourage you to meet with your maker creator and hear from him who he says you are. All right, let's get right to it. Here we go. Jamie, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I love that title. I love that name, Don't Mom Alone. That's fantastic. It's been a journey to get there, but yeah, I um, it's kind of a sneaky way to do a lot of things. And one thing that I'm really passionate about is that we Don't Mom Alone by leaning into our relationship with God and getting his moment to moment wisdom. And 
everything that I've heard you speak on, read that you've written. I, I want more. I'm going to tell you that. So I'm thrilled that there's more coming. This is your message that God has given you. This is what you've lived out is coming to God, hearing who he says you are, getting real about where our lives are, getting truth. And so I want to do that for moms today. I want to help them get their true identities. And I would love if before we get really into it, you just introduce your family real quick so they can get to know you. Yeah. So uh, I'm married, been married for 40 years. We celebrated 40 years in June. Congrats. It was funny because I told my wife a long time ago, I said, when we hit 40, we'll spend it in Europe together. And she said that was great. And so on our on the day of our 40th wedding anniversary, we were in a bus um, going from Romania into Hungary with 25 high school kids screaming their heads off at midnight, um, singing. And I said, here, I did, I kept up my end of the promise. Here we are in Europe on the 40th. And she <laughs> said, she said, yeah, I, I knew it was going to be like this. <laughs> so it was, it was really a blessing and funny. So 40 years with this amazing human being. And then we have three sons who are 38, 36 and 33. They're all married. And we have six grandkids and our oldest son's a lawyer, international lawyer living in Dubai with his wife, who is from Jordan, three kids. A second son is an FBI agent in the U.S., works domestic terrorism with his wife and three kids. And then our youngest son is the big skateboarder, lives with his wife, who's a writer in New York City for no kids, been married five years. So super proud of all of them. They're great men. And so are their wives are amazing humans. And some people would be like, wow, Dubai. Oh, New York. Oh, and they're not living by you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> You're not living out the American dream of safety. And <laughs> like, yeah, this is where we want to set people free. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Moms Absolutely. hear me say there's no formula. I, they That's want right. it. They want it so badly. They want me to come on here and say, do daily family devotionals at 6 p.m. and then do this exact liturgy and this, 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 and then your kids will turn out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it doesn't yeah, exist? It, it, it doesn't work that way because because that's one of the lies that uh, we believe about life is that things are certain. And we want to make them certain. This is, a, this is a mistake. We can read it all through the scriptures, all humans, all times, all civilizations, all genders. They are looking for a formula that they can control. And the result of that is idolatry. I mean, that's what happens. You have to create a God that you can manipulate and control as a protection against the bad things of the world. And this is this is why the Israelites, when Moses is gone for too long, they're like, well, we'll go back and make our own God because this free God, this mysterious God, we can't manipulate and we want to. So and then, you know, so then we have religion and all these things, which which ultimately just make us more insecure, because then we realize everything depends on me. Then I do have to do the devotions at 6 p.m. and I'm not good at it and my kids don't like it. That was my experience. 
And so what do you do if your kid doesn't fit in the formula of what they're supposed to be? And then the whole thing becomes this discouraging, anxiety-producing chore instead of this it's beautiful mystery. I'm married to a mystery. My kids are mysteries to me, but that's what humans love. They love mystery. We love exploring. And a mystery is not that something's not knowable. It's knowable, but you just, you, it's like you learn in chapters and years. And there's always a cliffhanger, which we love. And then we get into the next season and we explore that and we find answers. And, and God is always leading us in this incredible mystery. So my kids are older, and the thing I love about being with them is there's more about them that I don't know. And I get to discover, as they discovered about themselves, as I discover about my own identity, and we just and this beautiful uh, relationship happens. So yeah, mystery is when things are going well, they're mysterious. We just when they're certain doesn't mean they're going well. It's probably because we're trying to control it. When they're certain, it means it doesn't necessarily mean they're going well. That is really good. Because I do think some moms would say, ah, Jamie, I don't love mystery. I would love some real good clarity that <laughs> this is all going to turn out okay. That my kids aren't going to end up in prison. That And you know what? We haven't even told your backstory and your experience. And my goal, moms, is to do this in two conversations. And I'd love to start with moms because I think – before we can help our kids embrace their identities, we need to do this work for ourselves and this process. Exactly. And right. it gets modeled for them that, oh, mom is living out her identity. And and that's just part of how our family works. And you can't just only focus on the kids. So one thing that I think you lay out pretty well is there's vocations and things we do and roles we play and there's identity. And I'd love for you to talk that through even if, and a little bit of telling your story of okay. what you've been through, because it's just a little few things, just like a thousand stories you could probably tell. But yeah, give us a little background for people who aren't familiar. I'll try and keep it concise. And I hope, it, I hope, <laughs> and I know you do too, this just generates a lot of questions in moms and dads, because that's what we want. You know, we have a God that's invitation to us is to ask, seek, knock all the time. And the reason God wants that is because you don't know everything and you can't know everything and you can't predict everything. So he's with us all the time. That's our comfort, not what's going to happen. It's that God is always with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. So, yeah, when we think identity, just think identity is the truest thing about you. That's what it is. It's the truest thing about you. It's what God knit together in your mother's womb. He didn't knit a vocation together. He knit an identity together. And the goal of life then is to discover and live out that true identity that can only be understood in relationship to God through Jesus. It's the only way I've ever seen it work. And to and it's and it's a lifelong journey. The, the journey to understand your own identity is forever. That's the beauty of it. And so if you think you know yourself and you're done in life because you're 50 or what, you are so deceived. It's just not true. That's why in scripture we see people at such advanced ages doing such amazing things because the scriptures are encouraging. Like, don't think this is ever over. It's not. So God's knit together an identity. You're born into the world, into whatever scenario God intends. 
because he's the only one that can appoint times and places of birth. And so you're born into that. So I was born in Washington, D.C., lower income family, very strict, independent Baptist mother, a dad who wasn't really interested in the kingdom. He was more interested in other stuff. And so that's my world. I mean, I'm born. I didn't plan it. I inherited it. It's passive in a sense, but it's all part of who I'm becoming, right? So Kierkegaard said, with God's help, I'm becoming who I am. So it's not like one day you're going to suddenly turn into this person. You are that identity the whole time. So to discover and meet Christ, which I did at 17, is to actually verify what kind of you already know, but keeps getting squashed. That little, it's an eclipsed sun, we call it. That true identity is always there, but it's overshadowed by all kinds of fear, guilt, and shame. All kinds of lie-based thinking that we've learned about ourselves through trauma, which we call the false identity or the ego or the imposter syndrome. It's just, oh, I, I, I'm not a good speller, so this is, means I'm not as smart. I'm not, and, those, and that's how the false starts in kids early on. We could talk a lot about that. But identity is right there and the true is right there. And so there's times when kids are growing up, they, it, it sparks in them and they, can, they know it. They sense it. They don't know what to do with it, but they feel it and they gravitate towards it. The verse, raise a child up in the way he was bent, is the Hebrew. And in the end, he'll never depart from it. It means there's already an identity in there that's going to go a certain direction. And so you don't want to push the kid in a way that you think it ought to go because they'll push back. They'll rebel, not because they're mean, but because their true identity wants to be true and they don't want to be what I might think they should be. So you want to figure out, help them understand that identity and raise them up in it and they won't depart from it. They won't. The great thing about knowing your identity is you know what's for you, what's not for you. I told a friend the other day, it kind of reminded me of when I had my colors done and my style done. It really clarified what clothes were for me and what weren't for me. And one tool that I know has helped a lot of ladies, especially if you're a busy mom who doesn't have a ton of time to do online shopping or even go to stores all over the place, is Stitch Fix. Now, what's great about them is you get your own stylist and it's a fashion expert who looks at the information you've given them. They shop for you and they know what fits you, what fits your identity. They know you exactly and what you like and what you don't like and what's in your budget. And what I also love is they create, like they curate almost my own little online store. They have what I've already purchased from Stitch Fix and what would go with it. They create little outfits based on what I've said I like and what I don't like. It's really, really great if you have kids who don't want to shop and you want to simplify things because you put in their style, same like you would for yours, your little quiz you take, uh, and they'll send you five things in your fix right to your door with sizes for women from extra small to 3XL, you're going to find your perfect fit. You can try everything on at home. You can keep what you like and then you send back everything else. Shipping and the returns are always free. And they have over a thousand different brands and styles. So no matter what season of life you're in, 
Stitch Fix has you covered. And you can just order a refresh whenever you need it or you can schedule regular fixes. You are in control. So if you just need some new fall uh, refreshes, you can schedule one of those. Or if you would like to get this ongoing, you can let them know. Over time, your style experts are gonna get better and better at matching you with greater precision. Thanks Stitch Fix for getting me and they'll get you too. Try today at stitchfix.com slash DMA for Don't Mom Alone and you'll get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash DMA, stitchfix.com slash DMA. Listeners have heard me talk about something called inner healing prayer or freedom prayer. And what I love is you're describing it in your books and taking an angle and using identity language. And I think it is helpful because healing can sometimes feel woogie-googie bougie or whatever, and people get scared off. They're like sozo. They hear words. They have baggage. And I think what I have experienced with moms that I've prayed with is we're going back to that childhood Absolutely. where the false identity was yeah. layered on and often the enemy attacking at the exact place of identity to, yes. to kind of in your innocence and in a place where you're the adults in your life or the authorities in your life have such a influence that you start believing wrong things about yourself, God, and others. And we need to kind of invite God to say, where did this start? Right. And we go back and we undo that false belief. And I'm like, so you're talking about our kids and they're currently, you know, becoming and they're, but if you're a mom right now and you're like, man, what was my false belief? The work needs to be done by going back because I did pray with a mom and she's a literal genius, like the brightest person in the world, but based on a relationship, had this statement, and I can't say the word, but it's a cuss word for brains and the S word. Okay. And that's what she heard based right. on her experience. Yes. And we brought Jesus in and we redid it. But this, this y'all, if you've heard just to kind of layer what you've heard me talk about before and what Jamie's talking about. This all comes together. This is God's work in your life to align you with the truth. Right. And that's exactly right. Um, this is why Jesus talks about you have to come to me like little children. It's like in the truest form of who you are. And that was back there, probably if you're older. <laughs> like we, it, gets, <laughs> it gets really demolished by the lie that we live in all the time. The lie that we live in all the time is that you're being constantly measured. Like that's the lie we're in. You're being constantly measured and kids very young. And I, I knew very early in my life that I was being measured because of how God was portrayed to me. He's watching you. He wants to see how many times you pray. He wants to see if you witness to other people. He's measuring you. And if there's a measurement, there's a failing component to it. And then you never know the standard. Like, what is the standard? How many times do you have to pray? How many quiet times do you have to have to for God to say, okay, you're enough? And for me growing up, it was never enough. It was never enough. And so kids young, uh, we just did a big training here. And I was asking the participants, how old were you when you first realized you were being measured and that you weren't making it? And everyone in the room is like first grade, second grade, or younger. And so that's how early the true identity gets to be assaulted by the world. And 
And as parents, if we're not praying about this and thinking about this and examining ourselves, then we contribute to the measurement system. Because our false identity then needs to be reinforced with how they behave. Like they're an extension of our false identity. So this is why we have to start with our work. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Am I finding my identity and performance? Because if I am, then that goes on to how you perform as a child for me as the mom. Right. Exactly. I was talking to a group of executives and uh, one of the woman CEO, she said, you know, my son is really struggling with anxiety. He's a junior in high school. I, I don't know how to help him. And he feels like if he doesn't make the football team, he's not good enough. And my question always is, everything that you believe a human, you learned. You learned it. And so my question to her was, where did he learn? He learned somewhere that performance is the way we gain value. And she just went silent because where he learned it is from her, right? We all know this. We hear our kids say things. They're like, where'd they get that? And then we realize, oh, they got that from me. Why is my kid terrified about money? Because he's listened to me his whole life being terrified about money. That's what they learn. Not what you, you know, it's not just what you say to them. It's they watch what is the witness of your life. Like anyone can talk, but what's the witness? And so, I I mean, I would lay in bed at night and listen to my parents fighting about money and and their different views of God and fighting. And I'm like, it, it produced fear in me. Like, I don't want to end up like that. But then I'm thinking, but I better... I better start thinking about money. I mean, because money seems to be stronger than God. Like in decision-making, it seems like money is the decision-maker, not God. Although God gets thrown in there or, you know, that kind of thing. And then you're just, I'm just, it's, you're internalizing it and your amygdala is recording it and holding it so that we don't have to keep thinking. Remember, if there's not enough money, run. <laughs> like, that's, like that's what it's remembering. And that never changes unless you're, like you're saying, we go back and redo that incident with Jesus. Even a person that's not a believer, anyone that knows cognitive therapy or anything like that, knows that's what has to happen. It's just not as effective when you're just trying to willpower your way through it versus let the one, the lover of your soul who was there the night you were afraid in second grade tell you what's really happening there because all you have is really the interpretation of the world which is usually a a false interpretation right so i grew up in that we all grow up in that you, you can't really avoid it and um but then god keeps things happen that light that true identity on fire it's so beautiful to watch it in kids And even in adults, when I'm talking to an adult, I'm just feeling around for where's that flame? There's a flame in there somewhere. It's little, but it can't go out because you're still alive. So it's still there. It's like, where is it? It's so buried under fear, guilt, and shame. And so we look for it and then we start to fan it. Why does that make you excited? What are you thinking about when you think about that? And so for me, it was it was when uh, I I snuck into a movie because we weren't allowed to go to movies because God can't go to a movie theater. 
And, uh, don't get me started, Jamie. Don't get me started. Okay. I know, which is funny okay. because okay. I hear all the time I'm in vacation Bible school. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. You never have to be afraid. But he can't go in a movie theater. <laughs> or, you know. And so anyway, or I went use to a movie, movie Or use a movie to speak truth. Right. Whatever. Absolutely. It's fine. Yeah. No, I was raised. He only talks through the Bible, and it's only through the King James Bible. So it's not even other versions of the Bible. And these are all things that produce fear in a child because then they realize, wow, if I can't find the answer here, what is it? Means there's no answer, and I just have to guess, and it's on me, and all that. So I go to the to the movie, and the movie is a story about a police officer in New York City, and I was fourteen, which is which is the age of bar mitzvah, which is the age of adulthood in Judaism. So it's not like, you know, we think a 14 year old, like, I don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They're middle schoolers. They don't know what they're doing, but it's an important age. And I see this movie and it's very moving to me and it's very beautiful to me. And it, it, it calls me. That's how, that's how I think of it. It calls me out. And I didn't think it was God necessarily because I was in a place God couldn't go. But I knew it was something greater than me, far, far greater than me. And I responded to it. And the idea was, I need to be a police officer. It was an identity statement. I am that. I am that. And so now I have a direction in my life. And and, and, and you're saying that because going. you were a child and you're like, I am that. And that's a vocation. Right. But that was just the flame. Right. That was just right. the start of you discovering mm-hmm. this identity. It, it's, it was like a, on a screen in, at a vision of sorts. Right. Of something else in you that was put in there, but it was on display. Mm-hmm. And it resonated. Your spirit resonated with it. Yeah. Right. And children experience this and so do adults. You know, we experience these moments of sublime calling an invitation. We feel them. You don't have to, it's not a Christian thing. It's a human divine connection. And all humans have experienced it or know it. But then it's like, well, yeah, that doesn't really mean anything though. And then the world just steals it away like the seeds of the sower. Like it just steals it away. You know, so when kids are, when we're working with kids and I'm telling me, tell me about a time you felt really energized by something. And, and they can say something like a little kid the other day. I mean, he was young. He was not even in first grade. He, his favorite thing was to watch cement mixers. <laughs> and so that is huge what he's saying about himself. And so the human brain, and you notice this in scripture, how Jesus teaches, only thinks in symbols and pictures. Like that's how our minds work. We don't think in paragraphs and bullet points. We think in symbols and pictures because the metaphor, the picture is greater. So if if I was going to, if God was going to speak to me and give me a lecture on what I'm going to become in my life, I would have been there for 20 years. But he's just like, see this guy up here? See this? This is it. This is the direction. Go that way. And it's a metaphor. It's a picture. It's a symbol of where you're going towards. And as you go along the way, you're like, oh my gosh, it's bigger than that. (laughs) Like it's larger than, I just wanted to be a police officer with everything in my heart. And so I, the the wanting to be a police officer gave me focus. It gave me direction. uh, It kept me out of trouble. And on the way to it, I met Jesus (laughs) on the way. 
to that. And so that, and then when I met Christ, it didn't take that away. It made it greater. And it also taught me something about God. Wow. And I was like, is this the, does Jesus lead people through story and imagery? And then you read the gospels and you're like, that's exactly what he's doing. (laughs) That's That's exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Because it's so great and beautiful. He can't just tell you what it is. And if he told you the whole thing, you'd say no to it. So he just shows you chapter one, chapter two, but the further along you go, the more you change, the more you grow, the more you get rid of the false, embrace the true until you're in these situations, you know, like for me in Indonesia, when they're, you know, you're going to prison for 10 years and you realize I would have never had the grace to sit in this place if I hadn't come through this long, beautiful story with God all just chapter by chapter, right? Not jumping. Right. If he'd laid that, if he'd laid 10 years in Indonesia on a little 14-year-old boy, it's too much. Right. But the wooing, and I hear relationship. Like we yeah. want the check mark and we want the done, but it's like this bendy, flexing, ever-growing um, dependency. Right. That we get to travel our lives with God. Right. And just learning to trust, learning to trust is about the object of your trust, not about the power of you to trust. It's like, why do you trust Jesus? I mean, because I've learned, like Paul says, I've become persuaded through these different events in my life. Like this person is trustworthy based on this and this and this and this. And so it's not this magical, you got to trust God. You know, and God's measuring how much you trust him. It's like you trust because he's trustworthy. And then the more you trust, the the deeper into the mystery he takes you. And then you, it's like, it's like uh, so enticing. It's like, wow, what is more than this? Like when my wife and I were 40, we were like, wow, this has been an amazing journey. Now we're 60. It's like that we had no idea how amazing this thing was going to get. So now at 63, we're like, wow, at 80, what are we, what's going to be happening? Because yeah. this has been beyond what we could Maybe ask. Maybe Jesus about, so. comes back. I don't yeah. know. I'm excited for that. But you haven't said, like, the police then led you into, right. and y'all, I'm going to link to several different talks Jamie's done so you can hear all the details of a lot of this story. But you ended up in the CIA. Yeah, so I so so what happened was I got the CIA contacted me as a when I was a detective in the police department, and they wanted to meet with me because they wanted to know how I was working cases that I was working. So I just say to young people, especially, learn to hear God, learn to understand your own identity, bring that into your vocation. Don't get your identity from your vocation. Like, I don't get my identity from being a dad. I bring my identity into being a father. Otherwise, you're you're schizophrenic. You're like, I got to be over here, be on a cop over here, and I'm a dad over here. One identity in all those scenarios is so peaceful. So I have one identity as a police officer. It's the same identity that comes home at night to my kids. It's the same identity that's married to my wife. It's this one calm, peaceful, harmony. And the thing is, stay in that identity. Stay in it. And hear God. And so when uh, when I got interviewed by the CIA, which was actually the second I was interviewed by them once when I was 19 and offered a job by them, which I turned down because I wanted to be a police officer. 
And they're like, we don't think you understand what we're offering you if you just want it to be a police officer. The next level. <laughs> we always should do the next level, right? Oh, wait. Maybe yeah, not like, always. They were yeah. like waving the money in front of me going, look what you could do. And the police officers don't make any money. And But I knew my identity. That's the thing. I knew like, I don't need to jump at that. If that's something God has for me, it'll never go away. Just be patient. So 19, they were there. And then again, at, at 10 years, about 10 years later, here we are again. Only this time now, I've got all this experience as a police officer. So it's even I'm even more valuable to them. So God was just like, hold, just hold on. Don't jump at money. Don't make that mistake. Don't jump at prestige. Just wait because it's greater. This is the word that moms need to hear. Because when you're talking about the flame and you're talking about the following and the, the next and the next and next, I know they're sitting at home and there's many of them who have stepped away what feels like they were on this career path mm -hmm. and they had to step away and all their energy is going into motherhood and they're missing out. Yeah. And, the, and they really legitimately the way the world is a little bit worked is, yeah, maybe, maybe your career path on the mm -hmm. traditional path is missing out. But in God's will and what he has planned you're not missing out. And his timing is perfect. And I think too, what I, you know, I'm dropping in a little bit on your story is when he's, when Jamie, you said, I listened to God and the way I was solving cases, y'all, there was a kidnapping case and Jamie prompted by God pulls over a car and the kids in the trunk. You can't make that stuff up. That's only supernatural. And we as moms, as CEOs, as I'm a speech pathologist by trade, if we lean into our identities in those places, God moves mightily through us. Right. And that is true whether you're changing diapers or you're creating a spreadsheet. Absolutely. Yeah. And so if you think kingdom versus empire, then in the empire as a mom or a parent, stay-at-home parent, you are missing out. In the kingdom, you're in the deepest, best training you could be in. And then when when God's like, okay, we're going to move on to the next season because God loves seasons. He, he, he loves seasons. He made seasons yeah. for a reason. Yeah. And so yeah. like, you're, if you ever think I'm stuck in this, you're, you, you can't be because nothing in reality is stuck in anything. But stuck is a lie. That's the lie. You're stuck and alone. You're powerless and alone. You're locked into this. There's no way out. Lie, lie, false, false. Um, and so that's what the Call empire it out. Call it out, Jamie. Yeah, Call the it empire out. is always telling you, like it said to Jesus, like Pilate said to Jesus, do you not know that I have the power of life or death over you? That's what the empire says to us every day, the lie. Man, if you go be a mother and you leave the marketplace because we have power over you, you miss out. And Jesus looks at Pilate and he says, No, you don't. You you do not I lay my life down and I take it up again. The marketplace has no power, no say over anyone's life. Kingdom does. And so if God's like, I want to show you something that you'll never learn in the marketplace, but you can learn in motherhood or you can learn in parenting. Then when you've learned that very difficult, never ending vocation of parenting, then bring that out into the world and give it as a gift to the world. And, and the marketplace will come find you. Trust. And that's what happened to me. They came looking for me. I didn't go looking for the CIA. They came looking for me. And when they asked me how I was, you know, how did you know to pull over that car? And how did you, why did you release this one guy that you should have never released? And he turns out being the 
best career move you've ever made. How did you know to do that? Because nothing in police training would have told you to do any of that stuff. Where did you learn it? And I said to the guy, you're not going to like where I learned it and you're not going to like how I do it. But I'll tell you, I learned it from the scriptures. And the way I know what to do is by listening to God in my vocation. And he said, yeah, I don't like it. But I and he's he's looking at five years of results. See, this is the other thing for a believer. Jesus said the way they'll know you is not because you can talk a good game. The way you'll know you is by the fruit of your life. That's how they'll know it's true. And so this guy, he's a critic of my process, but he's not a critic of the result. And then he said, he said, can you do this in another country? And I said, it doesn't change based on country. <laughs> like that's, we don't have a local God that can only work in the U.S. and can't work in Yemen. Like we, a lot of us believe this, that God's yeah. really powerful if I stay right in my house or on my street, but you go off into the bad part of the city, God can't go. That's really, and we teach our kids this lie. And so we raise fearful kids. But so I said, no, it would work. And he gave me a scenario. He said, do the process in front of me. He told me a case they were working, they couldn't figure out. And I just sat there across from him. And I just said, God, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to do in this scenario? And I had an idea hearing from God. I had an idea and I said to him, I would do this. And he said, you're hired. And so on a Again, this is the reality of the life of the mystery and God. In, a, in the promotional system in the police department, I mean, I wanted to be chief of police, but there's 3,000 cops and the promotional opportunities would take forever and it's complicated. And God's like, you just stay with me on this. And so I go home on a Tuesday night and Wednesday, I have a job offer from the CIA to go live the rest of my life across the world beyond anything I'd ever see in the police department. It was the same identity as the police department. Exactly. And it was just only it was now God like quadrupled it, right? He did it. I didn't do it. He did it. But I was ready for it when the opportunity came. I was ready. And so that launched us into 27 years in the Muslim world, which is, you know, like level Amazing. two of the 14 year. I just want to be a cop. I just want to go that direction. And the Lord's like, that's great. Let's start there. Follow me in, and I will make you to become far more than you ever thought. I've been buying groceries for our family for 18 years of having kids. And I've definitely refined what I want in our pantry and what I don't. And one thing that helps make that job a little bit easier is Thrive Market because I can go to them for grocery and household essentials, even some beauty products that don't have all of the junk in them. I'm, I'm looking for some cleaner brands. And so every time I go on Thrive Market, one, they show me what I've already purchased in the past, which is really helpful. Two, I can search using all their filters. They have so many different filters with a click of a button. I can find whether it's a low sugar alternative or gluten-free or keto, whatever it is that I am looking for, I can find it with their filtering system and it just curates my whole shopping experience. On top of that, I save money because they have deals every day that give me cash back on lots of different brands and they have a price match guarantee. So I often save a lot of money at the end of when I go to check out, I can see how much money and it's 
usually 30% every time I shop. What's also great is when you join Thrive Market, it is the ultimate don't mom alone move because you're helping a family in need because Thrive Market has a one-for-one membership matching program. When you join, they give them a, a membership. So join in on the savings with Thrive Market today. Get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash DMA for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash DMA, thrivemarket.com slash DMA. So a couple things for the mom who's listening, we've we've said the word identity, we've talked about the false identity you might be living out of and doing the work to figure out where that's coming from. And we will link in the show notes to things we've done on that and definitely check out Jamie's books to do that. And they even have coaches that can help you with that. And then you just dropped, hey, in the moment to moment, you can ask God, what is important for me to know right now? What do I need to do? And we can do that as moms. That's right. And you, you know, we talked about, you know, leaving the marketplace and being home. There are moms you're being led by God to stay in the marketplace right, and mother sure. and you're feeling guilt or shame because that's where God's leading you. And I want you to f- be free. Like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Again, there is no formula of good mom. If you homeschool and that's where God's leading you, I've had seasons where that was God led me. It didn't make logical sense. My dad had just died. My mom was in chemo radiation. Why would I homeschool? But I will never regret holding God's hand in that and how he provided the grace and provision to follow that unique plan. It wasn't forever. It was for a year. All I'm saying is I want to empower you, you guys. And Jamie, you do such a good job in the book, Living Fearless, of helping people hear from God. And I think it'd be good to take a moment, whether it is them leaning into their identity statements or it is the moment-to-moment direction, what advice would you give to a mom on listening to God, hearing from God? Right. So God is communicating with us all the time, all the time, in all, in all kinds of ways. And, um, and so it's just like fine-tuning into the voice of God, because we're listening to other voices all the time. We're listening to voices like, you're wasting your life. Where, where's that voice coming from? That is the voice of the enemy, and we hear it all the time. We know it. We respond to it. You know, I was just doing this thing with 50 public school principals, and I said, raise your hand if you can hear a voice in your head every day that says you're not good enough as a principal. Everyone in the room raises their hand. It's like we all agree we can hear this internal voice criticizing us all the time. Yep, we all agree. How many of you can hear a voice inside of you that says you're an amazing principal, and there's these three things you could do to become even greater? How many of you hear that voice? Nobody. And I said, so we can hear the liar all the time. And we all acknowledge it's not someone over there. It's it's inside of, but we can't hear this. So I said, all we're going to do, I'm going to teach you how to silence the critic and listen to the creator. I'm just going to teach you how to do it right now. And it's just tuning in the radio. (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to listen to this. I am going to listen to this. And so it's just a practice of God help me to hear your voice. In what ways do you talk to me and how do you communicate to me and show it to me? And the whole goal is to distinguish between the two voices that are constantly going on in your head, the encourager, the one who loves you, who knows you, and the one that just seeks your really your destruction, right? And so that's confession. Truth tell, Lord, this is what I believe about myself today, that I'm, I'm, I'm powerless. I'm I'm wasting time, which is never true. There's no such thing in the kingdom of God of wasting time. 
is impossible to do, but we're so taught that it is happening all the time. So this is what I believe. Even if I'm scrolling Instagram, is that wasting time? <laughs> yeah. Or playing a video? Like I can, I've felt that where I'm like, oh, I'm scrolling Instagram. I've wasted time or I've played this game on my phone. I'm wasting time. Do you think that I'm not? See, this is like if I'm listening to God, you know, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go scroll through Instagram. Lord, what do you want me to know about scrolling through Instagram? See, uh, then it becomes a divine interaction. It's not just God, you go sit over there. I'm going to go over here. Now you're in the light. Like somehow you're separating. I'm going to relax my mind now, which means I'm not connected to God. Like that's yes. not true. He's God's big thing is rest. <laughs> he works from rest. So what he wants you to learn is you don't have to have any things to do to rest that are mindless, that don't involve your identity. Like You don't need that stuff. But I can look through Instagram fully connected to God. I can play a game fully connected to God. It's super fascinating how this works because God's, if Jesus, if you're playing a game and Jesus is sitting next to you, he's not silent. Like, what would he say to you? He, what do you think of this game? You know, like this kind of thing. It's just practicing the presence of God all the time. So for me, you know, I, I've had lots of coping mechanisms in my life. And the coping mechanism is to deal with the fact that I think I'm a failure. That's what the coping mechanism is for. I got to silence that voice. How do I do it? I watch Netflix. I got to silence that voice. How do I do it? I start looking at stuff I shouldn't be looking at because I've got to shut this voice down like you're wasting your life. Right? That's what it is. So you do the very thing that reinforces the lie. Right. Like the example you gave of the guy who was worried his wife was going to leave him because she's getting her graduate degree. So he's going to drink at the bar because he's sure this is what's going to happen. But in doing so, he's actually removing himself from the marriage. She's might leave because she's like, he's That's making right. this behavior. So to me, it feels like instead of behavior management, don't do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z, your behavior is actually being managed, but it's a different motivation and starting point. That's right. And it's like, as we were talking earlier, it's obedience. It's hearing God and responding to what he's saying. And so people think obedience is, means you got to go out and do things for religion, but it's just here, listening and responding to God. But you're just in a rhythm of it. Like, I'm not like, God, should I go sit in that chair? It's like, not like that. It's a rhythm. It's just a constant rhythm where I'm, you're tuned into the voice of God in such that if I'm drifting off course, He's, he speaks pretty clearly or, you know, or if I'm trying to make a decision in that kind of thing, but I'm in tune with them and I can, I know, I'm just trying to think of a recent example, but I'll know this is a coping mechanism. That's, that's the voice that I hear. Like, I know I, like I spoke last night to our high school kids, a big group of high school kids. And I spoke on, um, why do we need Jesus? You know, for John 14, six, and I was speaking to him and I was telling him the CIA story about we were going to get killed <laughs> and how God intervened in that situation. But because we could hear him, because we could hear God's voice in our vocation in a very tense situation. So can I hear God walking down the hall in the school? Yeah, you absolutely can. When I got home, I texted the youth leader and I said, thanks for having me. Let me know how it went. And right away, the Lord said, why are you asking him to let you know how it went? Hmm. Like, just like that. Mm -hmm. Why did you ask that question? Just that beautiful, search me and know me, Lord, search me and know me. It just popped in my head. 
Right. Yeah. I, what's interesting too is after I was reading your book and there's a situation with a teen of mine and I'm wanting to intervene and I told you that I heard from God, trust, breathe, believe, release. That is so beautiful. I've heard those four words and I'm wanting about to say something or about to send a text or about to check his text and I hear God, trust, breathe, believe, release. I heard the words and then I was literally about to say something and another son comes in the room and he's singing a song about being quiet. (laughs) Literally, he's singing a song, it's totally, totally random song about being quiet and I was like, okay, God, I I got it. I heard you, I heard, I felt the tap because I was, I had spent time that day in sync listening to God, which I used to be and I have fallen out of and I've fallen into some things that I know are not my best. But I am in that place because I've I've lost my connection. And so I know we, our time is like literally up in a couple minutes for our kids. And we've kind of sprinkled all the way through. We want our kids to be able to do this work. And what, I don't know if you have tips. I feel like this is not a tip situation. But what advice or experience of your own with your own kids would you give? Mm-hmm. So here's what I would say. And now I got grandkids. It's interesting to watch my kids do this with their own kids. It's really fascinating because they're different generations and they think differently, but the basics are the basics, right? And so, and they're, they're actually better at this than I, I was with them because we were kind of still learning, but they grew up in it. They've grown up in this and they've, my wife is Jewish. And so our kids are considered Jewish legally and, you know, they all are Christ followers and all that. But they grew up with this very strong Jewish tradition on one side of the family. And they've grown up in the Muslim world, in Muslim schools, speaking Arabic. And so they had to learn young how to be the only American Jewish follower of Jesus, sometimes in the country they were in. And so they know what it's like to be um what it could be like to be bullied right so so the key with kids is the the first thing is teach them how to use well negative emotion negative emotion is the main thing where your system is saying something's wrong just like if someone's you know sticks a knife in your back you don't go pray that the pain goes away like you're like address it like address it right now address it And so kids are experiencing all these different emotions and negative emotion. They want to learn to harness and use for good. Negative emotion is not from the enemy. The enemy can't create negative. The enemy can't create emotion. All the enemy can do is try and scare you or something, but negative emotion. So when our kids felt negative emotion, like, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel angry. Why? What are you angry about? Okay, that's an injustice that was committed against you. How does it feel to know that injustice can be committed against you? Afraid. There it is. Okay, I'm going to teach you what to do with fear in your life. Because if you don't learn what to do with fear, you're going to be reacting in fear and self-protection the rest of your life. Right? And so that negative emotion, helping them be able to say what it is, use it for the value that God's given it. I'm afraid. What are you afraid of? That I'm powerless and alone, basically, you know, that I, that this, that I can't get out of the situation. Okay, let's take that fear to God. Where did you learn that fear? Confession, give it to God. Okay, now ask God what he wants you to know about the situation. What does he say about the situation? And let them learn how to hear the voice of God. They won't always get it right. And it's a mystery, 
right? And I always want to get, jump in there and go, well, here's what God would probably say. But then you're, then you're denying them the freedom to learn. So that's one thing. And our, so when, we, when our kids, you know, we dropped them off at college basically because we did never lived in the U.S. while they were in college. So they would go by themselves into these secular universities. We never worried about them being swept away by anything because they knew they were. They didn't get their identity from things around them which is how most of our most of us get identity and they could hear from God. So if, if they could hear from God, cause we just practiced all the time and me and Donna did it in front of them all the time and then learned how to handle negative emotion, their fear to process their fear and anxiety, teach them how to do that. But as you said at the very beginning, you, they can't do what you're not doing in front of them. You have to be, walking through fear, showing them your fear, how you deal with your fear, your anger, how you deal with your anger in a way that they can learn from you. And I want to encourage a mom who's listening and she's like, well, it's too late. My (laughs) kids are too old. I'm too old. You said that already. You're not. You're still becoming. You can start today. That's right. I, I was bringing it up with my boys again last night and this morning. One of them said, oh, I just heard from God you need to honk your horn. I'm like, are you saying that to be funny? Like then they're going to yeah. play around with it. They're going to sure. test the boundaries. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And he's yeah. like, Hey, to his brother, Hey, tell mom that you heard God say she should honk the horn. I'm like, this is sounding like you've got a plan anyway, but discernment in the, if you're praying with them and they hear something and it's, well, he says, I'm an idiot. Well, you know, I've read a lot of the Bible and that doesn't sound anything like what I've heard God say mm-hmm. about you. Right. You know, to take the thought, hold it captive, analyze it to truth that we know. Right. And then, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's so many zillions of stories of doing that with our kids. And and I like that, though, because they, they played around with it all the time. They would tease my wife about hearing from God. Same thing. But that's okay because it's joyful. It's not like, you know, everything's super serious and you got to be all... It's like it's fun, you know. It's okay to laugh about stuff, and and um, they have amazing senses of humor based on where they've lived. I mean, our our whole team was killed in Iraq, um, oh and they lived in that environment. And to have a sense of humor coming out of that's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing to have dealt with the emotions involved with all, like you were saying, like the the grief and the all of that. That's a healthy process. Right. Okay, Jamie, I have to let you go because I want to be respectful of your time. I really hope we can do it again because I've really loved this conversation. I think yeah. it's super valuable. And y'all go check out all the links we're going to put in the show notes. Um, thank you so much yeah, my for being pleasure. with me today. I have been flipping through Jamie's book, trying to find the identity he mentions for himself. I want to say it's something like peacemaking warrior, something like that. And I just, I really, really, really want to encourage you to make time after you listen to this episode or sometime this week to be with God, whether it's before your kids wake up, whether it's during nap time, whether it's after they've gone to bed, they're at school, whatever it is, just take five minutes to sit with God. So instead of my normal prayer, I'm going to pray out the words that Jamie wrote in part one of his book uh, to help you start this process of praying and listening to God. So um, here we go. Father, thank you for this listener. I bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for your beloved son or daughter. We come before you, Lord God, the high King of heaven, in the name of Jesus. 
Thank you that your beloved son or daughter was knit together in their mother's womb by you, no matter what they believe. It doesn't matter what any of us believe. The reality is, is that you knit us together in our mother's womb. And when you did so, you gave us an identity. You built an identity into our DNA. And your goal for us, your joy for us, is that we understand that identity and live it out. And in living it out, we become one with you. Living out our identity, we become immortal and eternally joyful. And that's what happens. This is our goal. This has been your plan from the beginning, but we've lost sight of it. God, because of Jesus, we can come right into your presence, into the presence of the living God right now. Because of Christ our Savior, you say to us, come boldly to the throne of grace in your time of need. We can come right now, especially if we're in need, especially if there are things in our life we're afraid of, ashamed of, and feel guilty about. We come now. This is your desire, God. This is what you are longing for us. We come not by works, but by grace through faith, which is a free gift. No one reading this is any better than anyone else. Here we are in your presence, Lord, and we ask God that you would silence the enemy around us in our mind and in our life. We are so used to listening to the enemy and the world and our flesh all the time. Silence the voices we pray in the name of Jesus. We say the Lord rebukes you and then Satan in the name of Jesus. You have lost. You are done. You are over. We bow our knee to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. We don't bow to anyone else. Lord, would you fill each of us with the fullness of your spirit? God, would you sanctify our mind and our imagination as we think about you now? You've given us the ability to dream and to imagine. What does it look like to walk into your throne room right now? What does it mean to stand in the throne room of God? We stand above all creation with Christ. Here we stand in your midst, Lord, and nobody talks but you. Nobody speaks but you. Lord, fill us with the fullness of your spirit. Silence our own voice so that our mind is tied up with your mind, our spirit bound to your spirit. And Lord, let us begin hearing from you in a deep new way like we've never heard before or maybe even for the first time. Lord, here's the first question we want to ask you. God, what is the most important thing you want to say to me right now? In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to write down the first thing you sense. Don't wait. Ask again if you need to. Lord, what's the most important thing you want to say, me to know right now? Take time to listen. Write down your thoughts, images, and feelings. And Jamie writes, you may not understand what you've written down, and that's okay. Many times when Jesus spoke, people didn't know what he meant. For now, practice saying out loud what you hear or see in your mind or sense in your heart. Try it. And perhaps you heard or sensed God saying, live out my gift to you. Live out the spiritual gift I have given you. When God tells you something, when you hear a beautiful affirmation like that, you need to ask yourself, why is he saying that? Why is God saying, I want you to live out your spiritual gift? Maybe for whatever reason, you're not living out your spiritual gift. Or perhaps you heard the Lord call you beloved, wonderful. Do you know why he called you that? Because you don't truly believe he loves you. That's why he speaks to you. People miss the significance of what God says to them. We're not paying attention to what he's saying. If he says, live out your spiritual gift, a good response would be, what is preventing me from living out my spiritual gift? What do you want me to know about that? This exchange with God produces honest confession. The Lord loves you. He will usually begin communicating to you with an affirmation and a challenge. 
The same way Jesus related to people in the Gospels. This is what you're supposed to be, and this is what you're supposed to do. Maybe you heard love and trust me. Good. Love and trust the Lord. Why would he say that to you? What does he want you to know? Did you hear you're good enough? Why? Could it be that you don't think you're good enough? Isn't it beautiful that God is affirming to you that he has always approved of you? It's not about works or comparison or competition. God made you enough, and that is how he has always seen you. Maybe God said, I love you more than you will ever know. Maybe you sensed or heard God say, share your faith. I have an identity for you. Sometimes God gives us action steps. The next question is, Lord, where in my life do I feel like I'm not beloved by you? Where in my life am I not trusting you? Where in my life do I think I'm not good enough for you? Where am I in my life am I listening to the wrong voice? And I'm just going to encourage you to pray these things. Get his book. Keep going. This is just a small chunk of Jamie's work. And I think this interchange that he encourages us to have with God is so valuable and is something once we gain, like I've said in this episode, we can then pass on to our kids. And this is a faith that stands. This is outside of any denomination or religious experience. This is their relationship with God. And that relationship then prompts them to live lives that are holy and good and in line with what God's prompting them, just like Jamie said in this episode. And it is, I don't know, it's changed the game for me. I know that I'm talking way too long here at the end, but I hope it is encouraging to you. That's all we have for today. And I'm going to meet you back here next week. We're going to do something, a little special leading up to, can y'all believe it? We have been making this podcast every week for 10 years. So we're going to make some compilation episodes and I cannot wait to share them with you. So meet me back here next week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.